everyone. It's been a while. It was not my intention to stop releasing these for so long. This podcast is all about transformation and all the unseen changes and moments between states, and that's exactly where I've been for the last year. I intend to record my experience later this season, so I'll give more detail then, but in the meantime, we're back, and I have several conversations to share with you. They all deserve to be heard. I recorded this conversation with Paige nearly a year ago. This topic is one that comes up for me every single day, and I was so honored to be able to discuss it so freely with Paige at a major time of transition for her. Whether you are in a season of motherhood yourself or simply interact with mothers in your own life, this is such an important conversation. We are always becoming, but transformation doesn't occur overnight. It happens in silent moments, in long, dark nights. Our stories unfold in the quiet parts. excited to talk to you. I was listening to a few different episodes of your podcast and I heard you mention that you are also a fourth house Saturn <laughs> and as a fourth house Saturn I am able to relate to a lot of what you've introduced and covered in your podcast and um, I was really excited to, to maybe sit down with you and go through some of these topics, especially how they've helped you and, you know, maybe your own kind of self-discovery healing journey. Back when I started my own rabbit hole journey, it was really difficult to find resources for some of right. these issues. Mm -hmm. So I always get really excited when I see people starting to open up, especially about how they got into it and offering resources for other people who might be starting this journey as well. So I think that a lot of the information you put out is so great and so helpful. And um, I would love to hear where you started with, with yeah. some of this healing. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. I really appreciate it. It's been intense, to say the least. Um, I have a grand water trine and a lot of Scorpio energy, so mm. I signed up for all the things. And, um, and thankfully, I like to write, and I like to talk, and I really, really care. So um, I'm glad that that translates, and I'm really excited to be here. So again, thank you for having me. Um, but as far as starting, I it's so funny because I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, where did I even start? Like at the time, <laughs> I thought that like turning, what was that? Was it was like 24 and I had this major corporate career that I had worked my whole life for and <clears throat> I moved to D.C. and I did all these things and I thought I had finally made it and I got really, really sick and had to come home. And I was like, oh, this is like the crux. This is the challenge. And like today I was driving and I was like, that wasn't, that was, that wasn't even close. Like, I was like, that wasn't even remotely close to like the big things that I've had to face these last few years. Um, and so for me, I just think the whole energy of transformation is so present in my life all the time. I think I had a really rough go of it early in life and for a reason, 
And I'm still kind of unraveling a lot of that even today. So I'm 28 and it's funny cause I haven't told anyone this publicly, but I am pregnant. So I am having a baby oh, <laughs> in <good>. September. Congratulations. <laughs> I've kept it very quiet. Um, I'm very happy about it. It's nothing like that. It's just, it's very, very personal. So I think that now that I'm kind of making a major transition from maiden to mother, I can kind of put the seeds together here. And <laughs> just wild to talk about. And now I'm really becoming the person that I came here to be. And that iteration has changed so many times in my 20s, but now it's more about being and embodying the mother. I'm a cancer son through and through. Mm. A lot of cancer energy also, just a lot of water. And for now, it's like I'm really stepping into being the mother. And to be quite honest, I'm not quite there yet. I'm pretty freaked out. <laughs> so, so for a long time, I thought it was quitting my corporate job. And all of these were steps, you know, like quitting my corporate job and following what I felt was important in terms of writing and speaking and, and that kind of thing. But really, the main challenge, I think, of my life is being able to let go of that conditioning that I had early in life and create authentically and really live the life that I was meant mm. to live, which is what I've been kind of saying and writing about since my early 20s. So it's a similar thread, but it's just gotten more clear. Like I had more intense challenges to face mm -hmm. with that. It wasn't just finding a career I loved, I loved, but really stepping away from systems that I was born into of abuse and things like that and making my own life. So mm -hmm. that is a very long version of where I've been and where I'm at. So yeah, it's been, like I said, intense, but as always, so worth it. Yeah, wow. It it's it's I wrote down like three things while you were while you were talking here <laughs> because I think that like there's there's a lot to unpack there. Um especially like, you know, for, first of all, congratulations on Thank you. your your upcoming baby. That's amazing. I mean, not upcoming. It exists already, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said um for this definitely societal conditioning around motherhood and the mm -hmm. idea that whatever work you've done to become yourself is almost undone when you become a mother like you know I, I heard so many times from so many people um when I was expecting my daughter like don't lose yourself you know you'll you'll find yourself again like you'll come back <laughs> and oh, I right <laughs> and it is such a personal journey like pregnancy is this underworld like yep. firewalk and right. yeah. you don't come out it. the same person on the other side uh you're not right. supposed to you know right. and i think and that that's it, no right. you should not <laughs> you should not <laughs> i think that's where a lot of the um the the tensions around like postpartum depression and anxiety and like all of these like like the bounce back culture you know we we put this really unrealistic expectation on ourselves to go right back to our maidenhood selves as if that's the the peak of individuality and that's all we'll ever be and that's 
that's a rough thing to contend with. Um, so certainly when, you know, it, someone comes to that point from a place of like radical self-understanding and willingness to transform, that that makes a huge difference doing some of this work before. Um, and it's not to say that the work is done or is ever even <laughs> close to done. Like you just kind of peel back different layers of it. But um you know, it's it's this like kind of phoenix complex that I think a lot of us have. Um, this this constant state of like transformation and rebirth over and over. But in a way, I, I think that's the only way to properly prepare yourself for something like that motherhood reinvention, um, which is a bad way of putting it because it's not like we're inventing. It's really just that we're becoming. I think it's important to note, too, that's something that I'm really starting to conceptualize. Even you touched on this. But maiden and mother are different, and they're meant to be different, okay? Like, in a lot of... I've learned in this journey that so many of the wounds that women carry are from being raised by wounded maidens Mm -hmm. and who... And women who did not transition from maiden to mother. They just stayed in maidenhood. And I understand the appeal of staying in maidenhood. I like I am <sighs> freaked out. Like I get it. You know, like it's scary to be res- like fully responsible for your life and the life of another person. But there is a fundamental difference. And you can't have one foot in both worlds. And so I think that that is like you touched on this there's so many issues surrounding that for women where <clears throat> they never really make the transition. And then they're, I mean, I'm kind of tired of people dancing around this, but kind of shitty mothers, not all, like not all <laughs> mothers are shitty, but like, I bet, you know, some people who have like not great moms and those moms are wounded and weren't supported in their maidenhood weren't supported on their journey from maiden to mother, didn't make the transition, couldn't make the transition, and inflicted those wounds on their children. And I'm really seeing this cycle from a new lens, obviously, and having had to really take care of and mother myself all of my life, you know, now stepping into it in a different way, in a more empowered way. And believe me, I cried all weekend. Like, you know, like I'm not pretending that I am like breezing through this, but I understand that it's an initiation that I want to embark on. It is something that I am ready and willing to answer the call for. And that doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. It doesn't mean I'm not going to struggle, but there's a difference in that energy. I mean, maidenhood is... It's just different. It's it's more fun and fancy, or not even fun and fancy free, because that's not my experience. But <laughs> it's you know fewer responsibilities and like, look at me, I'm so hot. Like, don't you want to have sex with me? Like, you know, and that's okay. That's a phase in life. That's okay, mm. and that doesn't mean you don't want to be desirable as a mother either. But it's like, it's a different, more embodied, more grounded energy from a healed place of the mother. It doesn't mean. You're, you don't struggle with certain things, but it's a different energy. And when you try to mother from a place of the maiden, wounded or healed, it doesn't really translate. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of this hacking of this transition, like 
making motherhood easier, making pregnancy easier. And, and it's like, I don't think it's supposed to be easy. <laughs> like now that I'm in it, I'm like, this is, this is hard. And, and it's hard in a way that I'm really proud to be able to be doing, you know, first of all, I should acknowledge that I'm very grateful to, to be where I'm at. And at the same time, understanding that this is a, this is a journey and you are meant to transform. You aren't meant to stay a maiden your whole life. And your child, your lineage, will benefit from your ability to step fully into the role of mother for yourself and for your children, is my understanding. I think that that is exactly correct. Um, you know, we live in an undeniable youth culture. And, yeah. you know, youth is all that we value at this point. I mean, wealth too, sure, but like youth. Um, youth is its own form of power in our society. And I think that there is a lot of like, there's a lot of maybe mixed reasons behind that. But in my own experience, I found that, you know, we really lack initiation in most areas of life. And certainly the initiation from maiden to mother is not celebrated and not even really acknowledged um, for most women, especially if they've gone through the like industrial OBG system, mm -hmm. you know, they might get a goodie bag from the hospital and then sent home and you're, you're kind of thrown to the wolves on your own. Like there's, there's really not a whole lot out there. And most women aren't prepared for that. When I was going through this process myself, I was working with some people who have learned through like traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and some of these more, you know, um, rooted systems of like holistic health. And a lot of them had said that postpartum, you know, after you've had your baby and now you are you are now a mother um, is a throwback in many energetic ways to the first period like the the monarchy when you're a, a initiated into your childbearing years and I was really struck by that idea that like you know the first 40 days of motherhood has this potential to rewrite 40 more years of your life as 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 a woman you know whatever mm -hmm. you experienced then you're likely to recontend with in new ways and it allows you to kind of break patterns um that you might have been living under as as a maiden you know in those childbearing years um and i, I found that really fascinating because again not really like a rite of initiation, but an understanding that this is important and, you know, mm -hmm. we should be preparing for it and we should be using this to, like, set ourselves up for future success in our own lives. And I, I don't mean that in the late-stage <laughs> capitalism way of success, but you know what I mean. I feel like when I, when I talk to mothers, um, especially as their children get older, they do have a tendency to reflect back on how it all started and like oh I didn't know like I had no idea and it took right. me so long to kind of get into the swing of things so it's so tough <laughs> to really find your footing in this um mm -hmm. well, I, I don't, we don't have an example yeah either like I think that's important to say because it's like I think of the women that I grew up around when I was a child and they were like awful like I'm kind of tired I'm sugar I'm like so pregnant I'm just done sugar coming <laughs> um, but I mean they were not kind like women that I was around 
in the 90s and early 2000s were not (laughs) warm and fuzzy and did not have space for emotions, but particularly girls' emotions. Mm. And this is really the crux of my work lately, is really examining this cycle and where we can start to heal it. Because, Jesus, (laughs) oh my God, it just irritates the hell out of me. I'm like, why are you so upset? Like, this child isn't making you mad. You're making yourself mad. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to take some form of personal accountability, which maidens aren't really capable of doing. Mm. And so it's like, you look back around and it's like, we don't have real models and sometimes i mean sometimes i don't want to say ever but i mean i'm trying to think of like (laughs) examples even in pop culture like pocahontas like has grandmother willow like in that in that disney movie Mm -hmm. like that is as close as you can get to like an elder like there's no real older women that that people trust and go to maybe sometimes there's like a grandma in some some movies and and pieces of pop culture, but it's like, we didn't have that. And so now there's a whole generation of women trying to understand, okay, what, what really is motherhood? Because motherhood sadly isn't just carrying and having a baby. It's really that internal transformation that makes you into this next version of yourself that you have to willingly go on. You know, it's kind of a, like come with or get dragged type situation and I feel like I have yet to meet a woman at least when you know when I was younger who didn't who didn't feel dragged they didn't feel angry or jealous or resentful of the life that they had given up Mm. and so I'm very curious about this cycle and what it's going to look like with more people like us really looking at it you know okay like what what does it mean to be a mother? It doesn't mean I can't be fun. It doesn't mean I can't have fun. It doesn't mean I can't take a load off. It's none of those things. But like that wound of resentment and is so runs so deep. And it, yeah. it's so prevalent in our world and no one really takes responsibility for it. You know? And it's like, why not now look at those patterns and be like, hey, how can I take care of myself now and, and heal these patterns now? And avoid feeling like my whole life got spent on someone else at 60 or 50 or 40 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like, those are really important questions to be asking and to be learning how to marry the two. And it's not always going to be pretty or easy. But, I mean, I listened to this one podcast and she has four daughters. She's kind of in the public eye. Oh, my God. She's so mean to them. Oh, no. Openly so. Mm. <laughs> openly so. And she's like, I want my girls to be strong and stand up for themselves. And she like calls them bitches and stuff. <gasps> and I'm like, like, this is what I mean. It's like, you mm. can say that all you want. But if you haven't done the internal work around who wounded you, mm-hmm. what, what system and what type of women did you grow up around? And did you like it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was it conducive to you feeling safe and whole and honored? And if not, doing the work to change that, to really step into that mother, the the new mother, the mm. embodied mother. And that's really what's been fascinating to me, kind of like you had touched on. It's like, this this is, a, this is not a new phenomenon. We're just the first people to be really be like, hey, we should change this. Like, like it doesn't have to be like this, you know? Yeah, I, I was really struck um, when I was pregnant 
um, with how much internalized misogyny I encountered. Yep. Like, <laughs> I, the, even the things that, like, older women would say to me, like, oh, you must be having a boy because you still look pretty. And you know you're having a girl because they, they sap your beauty away. And, like, they would say it, like, th- I what (laughs) I was always so like beyond like oh my goodness this is what um like it's it's a shocking but like good example of this internalized misogyny where when you have daughters or you know um I I I think for women it tends to manifest more with daughters um Mm -hmm. than sons it's as if you know if you haven't resolved your maidenhood Um, come to a place of resolution as best you can with that Um, I think that you you can see your daughters as a threat to your femininity and end up resenting and like trying to really crush their Mm -hmm. spirits Um, and I I certainly when I look back at my childhood can can think of women in my life that that did that to you know friends of mine and and you know like i i I saw that um i didn't know what it was you know (laughs) like now after this point i can go like oh that's what that was we talk so much about normalizing emotions um and i've certainly seen things on like instagram especially like oh you know you have to normalize your resentment and it's okay for for this emotion to to be present Instead of kind of calling it out as a red flag, I'm not sure exactly how, like, where we go from here when that might be a, a more predominant sentiment than accountability, which is exactly, you know, you're, you're correct. I don't think that we, as young people, are often raised to have the accountability that's required in motherhood. And then you're, you're, you're forced in that space and stuff gets hard real fast you know um have you have you noticed um in your own experience here your own journey the work that you have have done to get yourself to this place um do you feel like what is coming up for you now on the verge of motherhood is totally different issues or perhaps different facets of the same issues like how have you how have you seen these past issues now that you're on this transitional cusp it's interesting because when you were asking i was i saw an image and it was just like really digging my heels in like what the work that i've been doing the person that i'm becoming the values that i feel are important to me mm-hmm. my life and my family i'm not fucking budging on sorry i don't know if you i'm allowed to swear i just you like go for it it's, fine. Uh, it's, fine. it's like i'm not gonna move like you know you don't have to agree with me wanting to keep my pregnancy private i don't care but it's not up to you. Mm-hmm. And I've really been tested on, I don't like the word test, but I mean, I have been. Like, it's been really, really hard. Not not so much in like with my baby and things like that, but really being clear with abusive uh, old systems in my life mm-hmm. that have kind of come, like, again, being very clear, like, you know, you got to choose differently than this. And so for me... It's been a lot of, yeah, like digging my heels in. This is who I am. This is what I want. I'm not budging on it. This is what I want for my children. And I will be damned if, you know, I let them, you know, these these horrific patterns of internalized misogyny touch them. Mm-hmm. It will never happen on my watch. Like, you know, my mom couldn't do it. 
her family couldn't do it, but I can. Mm-hmm. And being very clear with that. And even and just holding that energetic line is very tiring. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like I think a weekend, like a weekend before last, I just was like so tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, this is a different level of tired. I was like, this is energetic tiredness. Because um, I had people telling people that I was pregnant in my family without my consent. It was awful. And there's more to it than that. But, you know, really being shown again, you have to make the decision around what you're going to allow around you and your family and stick to it. You're not going to be wishy-washy, kind of like the maiden, like, oh, like you really hurt my feelings all the time and don't respect me most of the time. But we have fun when we're together at Christmas. So I should just I should just suck it up. That was me in throughout my maidenhood. <laughs> and I am not that person now. And it's been very <laughs> intense, but but worth it. And I think also with my body, I'm someone who had a really, really bad eating disorder most of my life. And, or not most of my life, for a lot of it. Now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of past that. But seeing and feeling people project energy at my body. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. oh, my God. I hate it. It's so uncomfortable because I had really come a long way with it and been very clear. Like, I don't care what you think about my body. I don't care what you think I look like. Like, I just, I don't care. And that came from, like, a place of genuine work. Mm-hmm. and genuine self-trust and that didn't mean I had bad days or things like that but I genuinely I didn't care and I had really kind of moved through that part of my life thank god because a lot of the women in my family have not to this day and so having this kind of come back up where people feel like you said very able to comment on my physique which is very uncomfortable for me <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like so taken aback by it. I'm like, wait, 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 what? Like, I'm not 12 anymore. Like, you don't get to infantilize me and like talk about what I look like. Like, oh, you're carrying low. First of all, that means absolutely nothing. Like, that means quite literally nothing about childbirth. Mm-hmm. Second of all, no, just stop it. Stop it. Like, no, I, I, it's so frustrating. And so having that come back up and be like, you know what? I don't. I don't need to be in the energy of being so I think it's because I should I should rephrase this it's because part of you is so nervous to become a mother like that's normal <laughs> like that's part of the transition it's part of the initiation it's like oh my god what's gonna happen to me it's almost like because of that insecurity internally people feel more ready to say what they want to say you know because before this it's pretty good in my body pretty good I'm fine don't need your opinion and people didn't talk about me and my body and what I looked like, even though they had years prior. But because I was in that different energy, it wasn't the same. So it's like women go through this very vulnerable, intense portal. Mind you, women are the ones particularly who are told you must be thin in order to be worthy. And then they have children. So mm. that's very uncomfortable. And then people pick up on that insecurity and almost just call it out because they don't have any self-awareness. So understanding that and really kind of finding a new place of contentment with my body, you know, almost testing the limits of like, you know, I do love my body. I do take care of my body, but like, 
how can I really, really do that for myself? So those are the main things is really digging my heels in around my boundaries and what I want for my life and my body. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really gross what we think we can say to pregnant women. I, I say we, yeah. the royal we, not we. <laughs> we know better. <laughs> but it it's really gross. Like you wouldn't say that stuff to anybody else ever under no. any circumstances, except maybe children. Like people say gross stuff to children too. They do. It's, they do. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. You're infantilized. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still a woman just because I'm carrying a baby. Like I am not a child. You know, like someone had said that to me, like that isn't a form of infantilization. Like, oh, look at your chubby, blah, blah, blah. Like that, like we don't think that women can handle the transition as adults. It's like, oh, poor isn't baby. Isn't that like, weird actually? Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you really think about it, like nothing says I'm an adult quite like having a baby like that's that's really like it it should be considered an initiatory rite of passage like end of the line this is adulthood um and yet it seems to be when we do infantilize women most i was reading a book and they were talking about um the like removal of the grandmother from culture and when i say the removal of the grandmother i don't just mean like you know like we all had grandmas but like really removing the wisdom that comes with that postmenopausal life stage. Um, you know, the grandmothers were the ones that knew which plants made the best medicine. The grandmothers were the ones that remembered how to ease pain in childbirth and help a baby emerge best. You know, grandmothers knew all the stuff. And we don't have that anymore. We have doctors, we have nurses, we have Instagram experts, but we don't really have that in our family for the most part. So I I have to wonder if part of that is, you know, when women are most vulnerable, as you said, and, and going through this really irrevocable, you know, life experience, this initiatory rite of passage of giving birth to the next generation, we treat them like infants. Mm-hmm. And then they never become grandmothers for the most part, you know, again, unless there's intense self-work done to really (laughs) unpack some of this stuff. And certainly if you bring it up to people, most of what I heard was always just like, oh, but we didn't know any better. And, you know, like it was a different time and you can't expect everybody. And it's like, I don't know, maybe it's time we start expecting better, you know. (laughs) Or no one's perfect. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I get. I'm like, what? I mean, at least try. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly thank you <laughs> like just just attempt <laughs> it's very interesting because it is it's just a whole generation of women being like we deserve better mm-hmm. we deserve better our children deserve better and we deserved better my mom deserved better our mothers deserved better and like i said i touched on like overly culturally appropriated grandmother willow like from pocahontas like that stands out because it was so rare and yeah was so different than the relationship that I had with like one of my grand grandmas just kind of scary you know what I mean like and very very misogynistic and and mean and not kind um in a lot of ways because they were living in a system that really had kept them in a box Mm. and it is very sad because I agree it's like there's so much room for maternal support and so much room for true feminine connection that just that just doesn't happen and I think that like you said it's like 
we're really asking for that now. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people and women and mothers who are like, wait a minute, like, let's, we deserve this. It's not just like, oh, how sad it doesn't exist. Let's make this better. And that's Mm -hmm. a huge, huge, huge deal. That is a massive shift because if you think about it, this system, this patriarchal system that we live in has been in place for thousands of years. And we're witnessing the beginning, like the real beginning of women being like, but I think it starts with us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, but I think like us being better to our children and better to ourselves really will make the world a better place. Like genuinely will. And it's not about like, oh, we're going to spoil them. Like that, that whole, that's a whole podcast. Like the whole idea of spoiling (laughs) children by loving them, like just by loving them and giving them TLC. Like, I just, I can't. And it's like more women are questioning, like, wait, why can't we just love the hell out of them? Mm -hmm. Like, why can't we just be nice to them? Why can't we just be soft with them? You know? And so that's, like I said, when you were talking about that, I'm like, this is such a big deal that we're even talking about this because thinking about my mom, my family and women that I know that I've worked with, it's like, man, if they had had access to things like this and, and maybe even, and also had personal accountability, (laughs) You know, and it had been taught that, like, the world would be a different place already. But I think that, I think it's a pretty good turning of the tide. I think, too, you know, I, I, I wonder how many women, but even people in general, are, are encouraged to have personal accountability. Um, I think that we live in an age where more and more things have been outsourced where you don't have to be personally accountable for things because there are systems that handle that. You know, you don't have to worry about your health because the healthcare system handles that. You don't have to worry about your money because the financial system handles it. Like there's there's a system for everything. And I think that for a lot of people, motherhood is is another conveyor belt system. You get on you get off and the only thing that changes is your schedule. I think that now maybe (laughs) um, realizing that there are other options, you know, like when I was growing up, I never heard about home birth ever. Like that wasn't a thing anybody ever talked about, Um, you know, and it's certainly Ina Mae Gaskin was repopularizing that in the 70s. So it existed, (laughs) but nobody (laughs) I knew you know, did that. Certainly if you'd presented that to anyone in my family, they would have been like, well, that sounds scary and dangerous. Why wouldn't you just let the healthcare system handle that? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I do I do think that we are now in, at a point where I'm seeing more and more people ask questions about like, well, what if I want to do it a different way? What if this didn't work for me? You know, the traumas that we've all internalized and had to work so hard to get out of our systems. Like, what if I just avoid the part where I inflict that on somebody else? How can I do that? And there aren't really great answers for all of them. But, you know, I do think the more we talk about things like that, the more that we share our own experiences and encourage others to share their experiences, maybe more ideas will will start coming up. Maybe maybe the systems will expand a little bit to to give us some different options, um, or maybe we just throw them all off altogether. I'm all for that too. Got a lot of Sagittarius, just burn it down. But <laughs> um, I wonder how much to does go into initiation. You know, we we don't really have communities the way that we used to. Um, 
I was reading something the other day about uh, suburbanization and how that really kind of killed the last wisdom communities. Um, everybody just getting caged into little pretty birdhouses and mm -hmm. it really dissolved all of these spaces where you know women could gather to share their wisdom and you know families would would live in the same farm community of like 150 people and just pass down lot knowledge you know that way um, and then you have suburbia where we're told that we can all be self-sufficient while somehow removing our agency to to do so i think we we need to bring back initiations and the kind of mystery traditions around those which I do I, I think in motherhood absolutely begins with pregnancy like you said it's a really private process and like I mean I remember when people out asked me like how are you I'd be like I don't even know what to tell you right now <laughs> like I how am I <laughs> I'm I'm spiraling through the void trying to figure out where I go from here but like we need better support around those things and not just like a five-minute OB, OB visit. We, we need like real, I, I don't know, like like village prenatals and meditation sessions and stuff yeah. like that. Have well, you, people have who you, can look you in the eye we, know, and really have your back. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's definitely. Have you found yourself turning um, to any like particular practices throughout this process um, that maybe surprised you or, or you wouldn't have ne necessarily expected to be part of your, your pregnancy experience. It's interesting. Um, because when you were talking about community, you know, I'm really in the process of separating myself from the community that really kind of fucked up my life for mm -hmm. a long time. And that's been a major focus of my life the last few years. And so it's almost like when you were saying, talking about, and I've heard this a bunch too. It's like, you know, we don't have communities anymore. We don't have elders and real ceremony and things like that. And it's like, I almost see it as like, we have, we have communities, but they are breeding grounds for mental illness, for abuse, mm. you know, for pain, for transference, for lack of accountability. You know, it's like, we have communities. Like I said, I can still go to Christmas if I want to. <laughs> like, you know, but but real people who see you and who really genuinely have your back and have your best interests at heart, that's something I, I have no answers about that because mm. I'm still, still trying to cultivate that in my own life. And, you know, it's one of the saddest things where it's like when you grow up in a really messed up culture, like so many of us did, and, and messed up communities and families that are passing on generational trauma inadvertently and unconsciously and working your way out of it and having to say goodbye to all of those people, mm -hmm. you know, and that is unbelievably painful. Um, unbelievably challenging because you're going to get gaslit the shit out of like every thought you have is going to be questioned and people that you really trusted likely will have a lot of stuff to say about it. I think that's something that sadly might be part of a lot of made into motherhood journeys uh, in today's age because mm -hmm. there is so much generational trauma and I think the systems that you were talking about really capitalize on that trauma and keep it afloat. 
Mm. So the people who really genuinely are conscious and taking accountability and trying to live their lives differently and more consciously are the people that really bear the brunt of this. And they're doing it for the betterment of their families and of their children. And, you know, the loss that comes with that is unspeakable. Like, (laughs) I can tell you myself, it is devastating. And so throughout this process, trying to find ways to support myself has been very hard. Um, And honestly, like, I meditate every day, so I I already have that. But, like, just kind of letting myself be in it is always a practice, not a practice. But, you know, it's Mm -hmm. always something that I have to work on. It's like, you know, I am not supposed to have all the answers. I am not supposed to feel good 100% of the time. Like I am supposed to grieve sometimes mm-hmm. and, and, and sometimes that's really, really, really challenging. And so to kind of help myself, I mean, for real, just letting myself be in it and knowing that it's going to pass because mm-hmm. when you're pregnant, it's not like I can't go to hot yoga and sweat it out for 90 minutes and then forget all about it and, and float home in my car. Like, Oh my God, I'm one with the universe. Like I can't do that as readily. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong. I miss that. Don't get me wrong. I'm very excited to have that dopamine high once I have my baby. But like, you know, that's not always, you know, there's a human side to things and humanness is the grief and the sadness and, and the joy that comes at the top of the hill. That's part of the process. So, you know, I just, for me, it's been a lot of being really nice, as patient with myself as possible, mm-hmm. meditating as much as I can so weird I usually have like a million practices but it's like a lot of them I can't do because I'm pregnant so um and just getting outside as much as possible and letting myself cry or whatever it's got to be um and also just saying good job to myself because a lot of the things that I'm doing are not easy and I think a lot of the things that most women who are consciously making the journey they're not easy and so sometimes it's like I don't even know what I could fit in here, like besides, besides just a little grace for myself. Um, so that's been that's been as much as I can do, um, and then some prenatal yoga here and there. But honestly, it's pretty tough <laughs> on my body. <laughs> I I I totally no one no one will shame you for that one. That was I was right there too. I'm like, no, I'm gonna do this every single day, and it's like, ugh, no. 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I think I think that's a really good point to make. Honestly, um, we tend to shy away from negativity and negative emotions. And you know, I I don't think that in this case, you know, negative emotions are something to be ashamed of or even like shy away from. Like that points you to some of the work that is you you do unconsciously. It's like it's like the byproduct, and and it gets. It helps you get some of this out of your system. It's not something to be to be feared or hide away. I think also that's that's maybe part of why some of these communities end up so toxic, because mm-hmm. we're not allowed to be honest about how we're feeling and and our feelings are not valued. Some of the hardest, I think, life work, even even outside of pregnancy and motherhood, like life work, it's really difficult to allow yourself to to, to be when not everything is happy and joyful you know we've got to have peaks and valleys and I think sometimes we get caught up on this idea of it being like a a level road all the time which is just totally unnatural so 
where where do you see yourself going from here you know um I know that's a that's a big question right now for you but, but you know best case scenario what are you hoping to create in your life here I love that question very challenging but a good question uh, I think well I don't think I know that part of my main mission is making things better for my children and myself and I think you know I don't have all the answers on exactly what it's going to look like, but I, my main goal is that they can be who they want to be. They're not going to be who I want them to be. I want to protect them from the more sinister attributes of life, uh, especially ones that can really curtail their spirit. Uh, that is my main goal is like letting them be who they are as long as possible and letting that be the driving force in my new family's life as well you know and while the other one kind of i kind of move on from you know mm. maybe in a different capacity but and also really feeling confident in myself in a different way it's less like look at how thin i am look at how pretty i am but it's really like I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like, I believe in my message. I believe in my energy. I believe in the person that I am. And that's what matters to me, you know, and moving into more of that state of security, that internal security that not only makes a safe and loving mother, but makes someone feel at ease in life and be able to serve from a place of real wholeness as opposed to real self-sacrifice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so really being able to serve from that place and live from that place of, again, real wholeness and roll with it is really my goal. And to shine from that place and just to be that person that I've worked so hard to become and to be that person for myself and for my children and my immediate family is, is my main goal for sure. I think that's a... A great goal to have. Um, <laughs> a worthy goal, yes. I, absolutely. Goal. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a tough one sometimes, but it's, oh, yeah. it's a really good one to have. So where can we find more of your work? You can find my old podcast episodes, Bright Side of the Moon podcast. Those are on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, I've also been featured in Yoga Journal and Eco Age and other new age outlets, some of my writing. So you can find that there. I also have an ebook called Out of Your Head and Into Your Heart, which you can buy on Amazon or on Barnes and Noble. You can read it on a Kindle. Uh, so yeah, that's where all my stuff is kind of landing. I have some stuff coming up. And I, I also do Saturn readings. You and I talked briefly about <laughs> my fourth house Saturn. That was a big, a big uh, eye-opening moment for me. So I do those for other people because knowing your Saturn placement is so important. So I do Saturn readings and I usually just book those through my Instagram page because they are just so personal and so intense sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I have right now and I have a few more things coming down the pike. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Thank you again to Paige for joining me. You can find her on Instagram at Paige the Priestess and also see more of her offerings, including her new horoscope prints. If you were moved by today's conversation, please share this with a friend or two. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify. Follow us and tag your shares on Instagram at quietparts. If you'd like to share your stories of transformation, send me a DM. 
You can also find me personally at Fairly Theta. Until next time. <laughs>